the congregation this morning. We have focused on the announcement of Jesus Christ on the Feast of the Tabernacles when he was calling the people that first the people were allowed to, to drink of the living water. And now in this evening, I want to focus on another theme and that's also closely to the theme of this morning. It's the necessi necessity of uh, the praying. We have to pray. It's also, uh, it's also said by Lord Jesus that we still have to pray for all the blessings and he, he has learned us how to pray. We all know the praying our Father in heaven. This evening I will want to focus you and myself on the, the scripture we have read, Joshua 7, and then in particular the verses 6 to 9, where we read the praying of Joshua. We will read it now again. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell on the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Woe to God, we have had been content and dwelt on the other side, the Jordan. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name till so far this praying of Joshua we write under these text words pleading prayer for that is especially expressed in the prayer of Joshua and we will pay attention to three points, three thoughts. The first, circumstances. The second, the attitude. And the third, the pleadings. So first, the circumstances of Joshua 
and the people of Israel. Second, Joshua's prayer attitude. And in the third place, the pleadings of Joshua's prayer. Their congregation, how confused a person can be. Even a child of God. Firm confidence in the Lord, in his promises, and in his guidance can be so shaken. We read it also in the Westminster Confession that true believers may have the assurance of their salvation diverse ways shaken, diminished and intermitted as by negligence and preserving of it, by falling into some special sin which wounded the, the conscience and greeted the spirit by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. Walking in darkness. It arises not only in the case where the Christian falls in sins, but also when the Lord will teach him or her a special lesson. Remember Job. Job. The man about we can read in the Bible, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He had not committed any special sins. However, he lost everything. He lost his children, his, his cattle, even the sympathy of his wife, and the friendly face of the Lord was hidden for him. In, in his eyes, the Lord was like an angry lion or a bear. And he did know the reason. He did not know what was the cause. We know, but he, he didn't know that, that Satan was discussing with, with God about Job and that the Lord had given the possibility to Satan to, to uh, afflict Job, to make him sick and to, to take all his possessions away. It's not always clear what the reason is. In this afternoon I was preaching about Psalm 77. There, there it's also not clear what the reason was that Asaph was praying and he was complaining, complaining about the Lord. The situation of Joshua is a combination of causes. It's both. There are sins 
on the side of the people and Joshua, but also it was a lesson that the Lord wants to teach the people and in particular Joshua and us. In our chapter, it's about a sudden trial that shakes Joshua. He really doesn't understand it all anymore. He lost the trust in the leading of the Lord because, because God was hiding his face. He was in trouble and sorrow. We read it in, in the end of Joshua 6. That was so different. There we read, So the Lord was with Joshua. And his fame spread through, through all the land. And then you think, How well is it with the people of Israel? And then this chapter, chapter 7. So different. The opposite. We know what happened before First, there was the capture of Jericho, who, who would have thought that that strong key city, that was it, it was a key city, it gave the entrance to the promised land could be taken. Because you could only enter Canaan to a very narrow passage. But right there, they had built Jericho, and just beyond that was AI. If you hadn't conquered Jericho, you would never have progressed. So Jericho had to be taken. Everyone said, that's too strong to take. And indeed, Joshua could not have done it if he had to do it in his own strength. Even he had many soldiers at his disposal, he would not have succeeded. But the Lord is with him. He met the Lord in the evening when, when he's walking around the city. And the Lord said to him, Joshua, if you look to me, then you have nothing to fear. I, the prince of Israel, have come to you. It was a promise of God. And, and then the Lord is fulfilling his promise. Because God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Had he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So, in a wonderful way, the Lord took that city without one man of valor having to steal its walls. It, it was a gift. The Lord was the, the leader, the prince. And then after that, when, when Jericho was captured, then the city AI had to be taken. And that's not a big city, not like Jericho. It's much smaller, it's very small. 
And then we read it. Joshua is consulting the elders and he's speaking with them how to handle this. And the plan is not to mobilize too many men. We read, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. Was that wrong? Is it wrong as the commander of the army, as a general, as a general, to make plans to determine a strategy? Or should Joshua not have done that? Congregation, it was not wrong to make plans. That was not the problem. We must never say that the Lord does it all himself. No, he, he uses people normally. Jericho, he did by himself, but normally he uses people. So it was good in itself that they talked about a plan and that they made a plan. But there was something wrong with that plan. And Joshua will find out because when the battle breaks out between the 3,000 soldiers, the Israelian and those of AI, it turns out that the men of AI are much stronger. They have much more combat power than the Israeli soldiers thought. They're driven back in a terrible way. And at the end, 36 people died. Joshua sees the dead bodies of those men that are brought in. Fathers of a family, perhaps just married, perhaps about to be married. 36. And then there's sorrow in the camp of Israel. And there's sorrow in the, in the heart of Joshua. How is it possible? The Lord gave Jericho. And now AI didn't give. That small town. We read when neither help nor relief proved to me when my spirit within me filled and was, and was overwhelmed with affliction. Thou, Lord, hast known my path. That was in the heart of Joshua. He didn't understand what was going on. And maybe the children were saying this evening, Oh, I know, there was Achan. It was, it was the sin of Achan. That's right, but there was more to say about this. There's more. And there, we're also thinking about this Evening. There are lessons in this, in this history, in this part of the scripture. Because there was also something wrong on the side of Joshua. There was a sin that we maybe not have noticed before. What was the part of Joshua in this? Well, in chapter 7, I am missing something. What's missing? What's missing in, in, in this chapter? What had Joshua to do? And 
what he did not. Congregation, you can read it in Numbers 27, the verses 18 to 21. I will quote them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand, now you have to listen, before Eliezer the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Now the quote ends. Congregation, I don't read anything about consulting, consulting the priest, the high priest. And I don't read anything about consulting the Lord by the priest. The Lord wasn't asked advice. Lord, shall we go up? Later they will do. Shall we go against AI? And is it allowed to do that in this way? That are the questions that had be answered by the Lord himself, by the Urim and the Tumim. We can learn about this because you see that, that the, the result of not consulting the Lord had very great consequences. The death of 36 people and the talking about the Lord and about the people by the Gentiles. But they said, oh, it isn't a very powerful people. And, and, and we see that, that uh, the, the Lord they serve isn't an almighty God. I want to make a difference between two foxes in this context. Maybe you, you will say, now, that's a little bit strange. Two foxes? What are you meaning with two foxes? That's, that's something different. Mm, I will explain. I read in the Song of Solomon, 
chapter 2, another quote now, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spell the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. A large fox can harm the vineyard. He can cause much damage. You understand. But there are also small young foxes. And that's before Solomon is warning us. The small, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. They are also very harmful because they nibble at the roots of the vines. And as a result, the vine dies. They don't stand out that much. They slip by everywhere. And you are not alert to them. That are the little foxes. You have big foxes in your life. And we know all the big foxes. Don't commit adultery. Don't be a thief. Don't be a blasphemer. That are big foxes. We, we know it. When you're watching wrong sides on internet, you know that's a big fox. But there are also small foxes. Hidden sins. Maybe things we will not qualify as sins. I will give you a few examples. The first, you prayed for a job and you are very happy. You get a job and then you will pray for the help of the Lord. The first time, Lord, please help me. I cannot do it on my own. I need thy help. You looked up and bowed your knees for help. And then it went well. On the second day you ask again, Lord, please help me today too. I can do it on my own. And then the third day. And it wasn't necessary anymore in your eyes to pray for his help because it was already going very well it went well why praying again that's what happened with Joshua the Lord was helping to take Jericho now when when he he helped to 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 attack the big city and, and, and nobody was hurt of the Israelites. Then he will also help with AI. He, he didn't pray for it. Now I give you an, a second example. The second example is for our boys and girls. Uh, next month the, the school will begin and I think a lot of boys and a lot of girls will pray the Lord, please help, help me, help me. You will do it the first day and the second day, and then 
when it's going well, you will not do it anymore. Or parents, your child is ill and, and you saw the Lord, Lord help me. But then, your child becomes healthy and you forget to pray again. Or when there's a disease, what we call not serious, it's, for example, a common flu, we find it not so necessary to pray for it. We can do it with the medicines. Then we are doing exactly what happens here in the story of Joshua. It's so important, people, to have a hidden life with the Lord. That we, we will go to him for everything, for the small things and for the big things. And that we are alert that there are not only big foxes in the world and in our life, but also small foxes. The danger that we come on a point that we we will be able in our own eyes that we can do things by our own. Think about Martha, the sister of Mary. You know, she was very diligent. She, She was dedicated. She was doing a lot of things. Yes, for Jesus and for the disciples. She was, she was a little bit angry with Mary because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary could better help her. Martha no longer needed the teaching from the Lord. And then Jesus is teaching her. It's the opposite that she was expecting. She thought, I'm doing the right things and, and Mary is doing the wrong things. But Jesus tells her it's the other way around. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. How important to do every day, have a moment a silent moment or more silent moments with the Lord to read your Bible, to read a daily piece of a book, a reading book, to pray to the Lord, to meditate. Don't think that that uh, must 
always be uh, a very long time. No, also when we will take 15 minutes, for example, or 20 minutes, it's good to do that. Daniel did it three times a day. The hidden life with the Lord, asking him for the blessings for that day, for every day. If Joshua would have done that, AI would have been captured by his army. Now we will go to our second thought. Congregation will be looking at the circumstances of Joshua and of the people of Israel. Now we will focus on the attitude. The attitude of Joshua. How is he praying? What can we learn from that? That praying. His attitude. His posture. I will mention a few things. First, the place. What's the place? Where is he praying? He goes to a special place. It's not irrelevant where to pray. He goes to the ark, the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant. There I have to be. That ark was used by the Lord to learn the people, to learn about Jesus Christ. That's what we still can learn about the ark, that all our prayers can only be answered for Jesus' sake. And that's what we always say in the end of the praying, for Jesus' sake, in the name of Jesus, he is the only way. The only way. There's one way to God, and that's Jesus Christ. I experienced uh, that last week. We were on Vancouver Island, and Highway 4 was closed, and we wanted to go to Ukluyet. But the highway was closed, and we still were trying to find another way. But they told us there is no other way. You have to wait for hours. And I thought that I have to tell the congregation on Sunday, you have to wait for that way, because there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. All the other ways will end in darkness. That's what we read in the letter of John about Jesus. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the shepherd, I am the only way, the truth, and, and the living water we heard this morning, and the living bread, and and, and the brass serpent, he is the only way back to God, to the communion with God. That's what the people said, the disciples said to Jesus when he asked if they would depart from him, like other people did. And they, they answered him, to whom shall we go? 
Thou hast the words of eternal life. Did you already experience that in, in your personal life? That there's no other way? That He is the way? That everything in yourself or in other people or in things can it help you? Can it save your soul? Only cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and, and his praying in heaven. Later I will say a little bit more about it. That's the first thing, the place. It also says us something about the time of praying. The time. That's also relevant, significant, because we read about the evening. Un is it until it got dark? No, when, when in, in the scripture is spoken about the evening, then it has a special meaning. When they pray in evening, it's connected to the sacrifice, the evening sacrifice. We still read it, for example, when Daniel is praying. He also is doing that at a time that the sacrifices are brought in the temple. It is pointing to Jesus as well. His work, his sacrifice. Only the place and the time, and then in the third place, he's not alone. We read that Joshua is not doing this alone. Yes, we have to pray in, in our home, we have to pray along to the Lord. That's, that's necessary. We have also to pray with our family when we are, for example. Uh, sitting at a table, around a table, and, and uh, before we will eat and after we have eaten. But we have also to pray together in church. When we are worshipping in church, we are also asking for the help of the Lord, for his assistance. And that's exactly what happens here. Joshua and the elder, we should say, uh, the consistory, we're praying together. It's necessary. It's necessary to pray with the congregation. That's why it's necessary that we pray for the sick people of the church and for people uh, who have lost relatives, ones in, in sorrow. We have to pray for others special things in the lives of people, then, then, then the congregation is one mouth to the Lord. The elder or the reverend is the mouth of the congregation. So, necessary to get it. Later, we will read about Peter and John when they came back to the congregation and they, they told the congregation what happened uh, at the Sanhedrin, that, that it was forbidden to 
speak about Jesus. And we read, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. So that's the third. We have seen the place, we have seen the time, we have seen how many, not alone. And then a fourth point, we read that he is quiet. When Joshua is lying still before God, he is quiet. He doesn't say any word. People, how important is it that there are times in our life that we can't find words and that we be quiet. Sometimes the sorrow can be so great. We read it in one of the Psalms. I was dumb. I, I could not open my mouth because thou didst it. No words to speak. But the sorrow is great. We feel our sins and our guilt or, or the circumstances are so, so very bad, so hard. Finding no words. In this afternoon I was preaching about Psalm 77 and, and there Asaph also says, I, I couldn't say anything when I was thinking about the Lord. I turned my my head away. But the Lord is also listening to a silent praying. When we can't find words, know that He that He can read what is in your heart. Also in the case of Joshua. It's also a, a manner in which he, will ex he can explain that he is humble to the Lord. He is very small. And he is laying down on earth. It's a lesson for us that, that we are also humble when we are praying. And, and that we know the Lord is a holy God. He is almighty. He is righteous. He is just. And, and he is all-knowing. So, it makes humble if we are, if we are like Joshua. Do we realize that? It's bad when we say, oh, let's, let's pray a little. Let's pray a little. A minute, for example. That's disrespectful to the Lord. Just even this, just even that. Our prayer posture our attitude have to be correct in relation to the Lord when we're speaking to the Holy Lord. Later we, we read a little bit the same of Elijah when he will lie with his head between his knees and when he's praying for rain. We read about Daniel, that he was praying three times a day with his face in the direction of Jerusalem. Uh, 
We read about the praying of Jesus, the Son of God. How was he praying to his Father? He's like a warming Gethsemane. So he's praying to his Father. We read about the parable, the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee, he was proud. And he was, he was telling the Lord that the Lord had to be thankful because he was living so, so very correctly. But the publican, he slapped his hand on his breast and we hear him praying, Oh God, be merciful to me, the sinner. No, don't say that's the outside. It's, it's outwardly. It's not necessary. It's also important. How is our attitude? And Joshua rent his clothes and fell on the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads until the evening he lay there. Until the evening. He's still doing it. It's continuing. He's continuing his praying. It's also necessary. Jesus has told us a parable about a widow. And the widow, every day say, she came back to a judge. And the judge, it was a very bad man. It wasn't a man who, who loved the Lord and, and who loved people. You could, you could buy that man by money. Then you, you would got uh, a decision that you wanted. But that widow couldn't pay him. But she came every day back to him. And then, and then after many days, he said, Okay, I, I, I will give her, I will give her uh, just. I will give her a right decision. And then Jesus tells us, so we have to pray. We will still have to go back to the Lord. We will still have to, to repeat our prayings till he will answer us by his word and by the circumstances. We have to notice the circumstances. Is the Lord opening doors of us or is he closing doors? Is he giving us possibilities before we had asked do we get an answer by, by the preaching of the gospel Is we have to listen to the answers don't forget it there are people, I meet them every day that, that tell me yeah, I pray, I pray for peace I pray for, for forgiveness and I pray uh, for to be a child of the Lord and then I ask them but do you also listen to the answers to the answers yes to the answers when you go to church you have, you have to expect the answers Lord may I hear thy voice this morning or this evening speak to my heart and say to me I am I am your Lord. I'm your Savior. I'm, I'm your Redeemer. Now, now the third thought, the pleadings of Joshua's prayer. 
what's happening? What's, what's he doing in his praying? When you read it, you will say it's, 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 it's not very nice what he is saying. Do you see that? Do you read it? He said, oh Lord, it would have been better when we were not gone through the Jordan when we would have stayed on the other side. Huh? How is that possible? That's against what the Lord had said to, to him. How possible? You see that? He's saying wrong things. O Lord God, wherefore hast thou and all broadest people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Walked to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side, Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and get off our name from the earth. How disappointing. Is that Joshua, the servant of the Lord, the child of the Lord? He was so obedient, and now he's saying this. People, this is not good. Congregation, this is not good. What he's doing here. But you, you don't read about a reaction of the Lord. The Lord doesn't say to Joshua what, what you're saying now. This is so sinful, Joshua. How bad to say these things, these things. Why not? Why not? Why, why doesn't the Lord say that? What do you think? The answer is not very difficult. I give you an example. There's a girl, a little girl, and the girl is very desperate because of things that happened in her life. And, and she's crying. And she says to her mother, nobody is loving me. You neither. And she runs to her, to her room. She her mother say, oh, you said that I don't love you. How could you say that? Oh, no. Mother, mother will know what happened and, and that the intention was not the same as what a daughter was saying to her. The words were not connected to what's in heart. And that's exactly what happened with Joshua. And the Lord is looking at his heart and also to your heart. He knows what, what your intention is. And then the words are not so important. Oh no. The intention. He's desperate. 
Yoshua. And that's why he's saying these wrong things. And now he's saying also a good thing. Yeah, he's praying. Don't forget that. With a good argument. It's the end of verse 9. I will quote. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Yes, do you hear? What's important for, for Joshua? The name of the Lord. Thy name, Lord. I'm so afraid that thy name will be made dirty by the Gentiles. That they will say that Lord Jehovah you can't trust that Lord or that Lord is not almighty. That Lord he is not true. He is breaking his own promises. Therefore he is afraid. And now you hear exactly what Moses did before. Moses had done exactly the same. He also asked the Lord after uh, the the people were dancing uh, around the, the golden uh, calf. I don't know what it's in English now. And the cow, the golden cow. And, and, and then the Lord said, I will destroy the people. And Moses, no, Lord, no. Because of thy name. What, will, what shall the gentle say? Thy name. Thy honor. Now I, I'm asking you, is it important for you and for me the name of the Lord? How precious is his name for me? Do have to answer that question? Do I have to ask, answer that question? But it's also, also the pleading ground, the argument in our praying. Thy name. Thy name. In the name of the Lord, we, we encounter the attributes of the Lord, that He is the truth, that He is almighty, that He is all-knowing, omniscient, that He is, that he is merciful, in the name of the Lord. How important. That's why we read in, in, in the Bible so often about the name. The name of the Lord. The name Jesus Christ. In that name is so much hidden. It, it contains all the attributes of the Lord. And so... On, on his attributes, you have to pray. That's what Joshua did. That's what Moses did. What will happen to thy great name? The nations will say, this God is not trustworthy. What will 
Thou do. What will thou do with thy truth? You prom thou promised, O oh Lord, Abraham, that, that his, his children, that his people will dwell in Canaan. That for the arguments. And when we pray, we have not to pray because I deserve. I deserve the blessings for, for this life, the temporary blessings, neither the spiritual blessings. But it's only because of the name of Jesus. And that's why we still have to look upon the praying of Jesus. That's what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, I'm praying for you. And that's what we read in article 26 of the Confession of Faith. 26, a very important article about the praying of Christ, his intercession. Because the prayings of Joshua, they are limited. It's not in the name of Joshua, but in the name of Jesus we have to pray. I will quote the end of article 26. Then, Gudo de Bre asks us what more can be required since Christ himself saith, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. To what purpose should we then seek another advocate, since he hath pleased God to give us his own Son as our advocate? Let us not forsake him to take another, or rather to seek after another, without ever being able to find him. For God well knew when he gave him to us that we were sinners. Therefore, according to the command of Christ, we call upon the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our only mediator, as we are taught in the Lord's Prayer, being assured that whatever we ask of the Father in his name will be granted us. Amen.